Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Your stool is ready. We've got good, bad, and crazy news for conservatives to wind out the week. And Jim, as I've mentioned a couple times this week, I'm headed off on vacation uh, for the next week. So I'm going to try to keep my head in the game for the next uh, however many minutes here while we dissect uh, the martinis. But uh, I know you've been in this position, so uh, we're going to do our job and, and stay focused today. Uh, I was going to say, your body is here, but your mind may already be on the road. <laughs> That's true. All right, well, let's talk about the uh, good martini. We could also talk about the the, the timing of this. But uh, after so many days, so many weeks of pounding our head against the table of why are you telling fully vaccinated people that they still have to separate, that they still have to wear masks, that they still have to do everything they did before they got vaccinated? Well, yesterday, the CDC said that you don't need masks outside and you don't even need masks uh, inside in most situations. Here's how Dr. Rochelle Walensky put it. Today, CDC is updating our guidance for fully vaccinated people. Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. If you are fully vaccinated, you can start doing the things that you had stopped doing because of the pandemic. And so, Jim, I mean, I think most of us saw this as common sense for whatever reason. Uh, Biden and so many uh, liberals who had been fully vaccinated, still wearing masks and and distancing. We were kind of scratching our heads about that at the State of the Union or what is essentially a State of the Union when everybody had already gotten the the shots a long time ago and they're still going through all the precautions. Uh, You got a lot of people out there on social media and beyond, and I tend to agree with them saying, huh. Fauci and uh, a lot of other people in this realm were saying very different things just a few days ago. You got to wait for herd immunity. Maybe you got to wait for uh, kids supposedly to be vaccinated. And all of a sudden, uh, we get this ruling from the CDC. Could it be because of the really bad jobs report? Could it be that people are fed up with the schools uh, being closed? Uh, could it just be that they see uh, reality in front of them? But uh, in the span of about 24 hours, you had Randy Weingarten of the American Federation of Teachers, who was leading the charge to keep schools closed, suddenly urging everyone to open schools as quickly as possible. And now the CDC is doing this. So whether it's the whether it's the economic situation, parents ready to boil over or just recognizing reality. It's finally happening. Uh, We shouldn't need the government to dictate this, but uh, at least we're all on the same page, hopefully. You know, Greg, I wrote about this in the corner yesterday, and it's really fascinating how saying things that are uh, scientifically accurate, that are common sense, and that, you know, fit all of our data and experience can generate furious responses, denying that what you said could possibly be true from two separate directions simultaneously. <laughs> I, my, my attitude, because you know, for people who remember, you and I, you know, from the beginning of this, have complained about the Karens and complained about people wagging their fingers and the, the mask police. But, all, you know, in the absence of being vaccinated, you know, a mask is better than nothing. Uh, obviously, the N95s are better than the cloths and cloths are better than nothing and all that stuff. And people say, oh, they don't do, they don't do anything. And I'm like, okay. Do you think the surgeons in the operating room wear those masks for decoration? No. <laughs> you know, like clearly having a barrier is going to keep some of what you're exhaling from going out into everybody else. 
And some of what you're inhaling, anything floating around out there, there's a slight chance that it'll stop it. And people say, oh, but the size of the virus is so tiny. And the space in between the threads and the cloth, Jim, that can't do any good. The thing is the viruses very rarely float by themselves. They usually are in some sort of droplet Sad to say, out of your boogers and mucus and, and you know, uh, saliva and all these things that come out while you're speaking, while you're sneezing, while you're, you know, blowing your nose and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's what makes them float around in there. And the good news is, is that the space between the cloth is generally too, be, uh, too small for these droplets to get through. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm sure you can find studies where you could say, okay, if it's a tiny enough, but by and large, given a choice between zero protection or something that's, you know, 50% protection, You'd rather have the 50% protection. Cops know that a bulletproof vest isn't going to protect every square inch of them, but it keeps most of the internal organs protected, and that's why they wear them, right? Having said that, once you're vaccinated, the whole calculation changes. Because all of a sudden, two weeks after that second shot, if you got the Pfizer or the Moderna, or I think it's about four weeks, five weeks, six weeks after your Johnson & Johnson shot, your body has now prepared to, to, to generate the antibodies to fight off SARS-CoV-2 once it enters your body. At that point, the mask is, is kind of superfluous. The mask, you know, would you, would you want to keep the virus from coming into your body? I, everything I said before is true, but your body can already fight it off. So you don't really need to worry about the virus getting into your body because it's going to do a lot less. And for everyone who says, oh, but what about the possibility the virus gets in you and then you start shedding it? Well, the studies indicate that you shed a heck of a lot less virus once you've been fully vaccinated. Is, you know, zero? No. But as somebody pointed out, I thought this was a, one of the more respected doctors I saw on Twitter earlier today. So far, he has seen absolutely zero evidence of any cases of somebody who is vaccinated giving the virus to an, another person. It, could it happen? Sure. But you're in the, the neighborhood of, you know, one in a million or some sort of extraordinarily long odds. And it's one of those things like, okay, I know all the people who say, Wearing a mask is no major impediment. Well, I mean, look, there's a reason we don't usually walk around in our lives looking like Cobra soldiers. There's a reason the ISIS fashion style never really caught on here in the West. We'd All other things being equal, we'd rather look at each other's faces. It's easier to understand someone and hear someone. People have pretty faces. We like kissing people. There's all kinds of th reasons why we generally don't want you to wear your mask, don't want you to wear a mask. Um, you know, there's a reason that you know, they want you to take off your mask when you go into a bank because we generally associate covering your face with something bad in our society. We think of this big cultural change at the start of this pandemic. We don't have to completely undo it. Now, here's the thing. If, you know, a year from now, two years from now, if you are, you're feeling sick, you got a cold, and for some reason you, you can't stay home, well, maybe wearing a mask makes sense. It means you know, you're less likely to be coughing or sneezing or spreading anything out in your germs and all that kind of stuff. Um, this has kind of become habitual over in Asia and that aspect I wouldn't mind, but I don't want a world in which we all walk around with our masks for the, this is the remote possibility of some virus somewhere getting into us. Uh, I'm glad that the CDC made this decision. I can't help but notice, Greg, that it came as things got louder. And I think it was even the New York Times had observed that, you know, certainly for outdoor, they said they had never found any indication that casual passing by someone, walking by somebody in a street had ever given them, uh, uh, had ever spread uh, COVID-19. And the whole idea of like, oh, you got to worry about people who are walking by you on the street and you got to worry, hey, if you're jogging, you know, keep your distance from that jogger and, you know, two people biking outside, uh, you know, there was this endless, uh, uh, hyper overreaction to a potential threat. And that as we learned more, we should have been adjusting our attitudes and some people simply never did. Um, I'm glad they did it. 
I do remember, Greg, 45 days ago, Walensky was saying she had this ominous feeling of doom. Thankfully, we're in much better shape. And yes, it is 45 days ago. It's about six, seven weeks. We, we've made some progress. We've made significant progress over that time. So I don't want to give her too much grief. Uh, she's got a tough job. She's got to walk a tightrope between, you know, um, basically, you know, being honest with people and not uh, uh, causing a panic, but also being, you know, straightforward about this. And sometimes she's going to get, you know, she's going to lean too far in one direction or the other. She deserves a little bit of criticism for this, but I'm glad she's come to the right position. I'm glad the president of the United States can now feels comfortable taking off his mask. As just the day before in the Oval Office, he was wearing a mask around Kamala Harris and Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi. And I observed everyone in the room was, was vaccinated. There was really no good reason for them to wear masks. And of course, everybody on Twitter thought I was wrong. Well, guess what, world? You're wrong. Because the threat <laughs> of the virus did not just suddenly go away Thursday afternoon. No, that's exactly right. And uh, what do you make of the timing? I mean, we don't... We're going to talk about whether, uh, you know, we need the mother may I government approach here on this in, in the next martini. But uh, the timing of this from economic reports, uh, from schools, do you think that played into this at all, given what we were hearing from these same people just a few days ago? It, it does seem a little curious because like, the, the, mess, the, the theme of the week has been, wow, uh, as my colleague Phil Klein put it, you know, the honeymoon is over for the Biden administration. Bad jobs report bad border uh, numbers, uh, bad uh, um, inflation numbers. It's been a really bad week for the administration. So they needed good news like this and announcing, hey, you know what? You can, you know, you don't have to wear masks if you're vaccinated. That's exactly the kind of good news that I think a lot of people really wanted to hear. So um, it is curious about it. If you do feel like this is a spin thing, first of all, if somebody does the right thing for the wrong reason, I'm still glad they did the right thing. (laughs) <laughs> and my second thought is that, uh, look, it's not like any of these issues are really going to go like, congratulations, you win a news cycle. Those existing problems are still around, though. Uh, let's talk about uh, a little preview of our next martini now, both the authoritarian angle as well as the reaction of some people who actually want to stay masked and don't like this uh, uh, decision. For them, we have some advice. Headspace. You could really use this app. Uh, Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, or just uh, do better in general? Well, there is. It's called Headspace. And if you have 10 minutes, it could make a big difference in your life. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. Whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Do you need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. And as I've said before, uh, during the year-long uh, pandemic situation, our chief of operations has told me that uh, several of our hosts have used Headspace. They've found it uh, very, very helpful, help them relax, help them focus, um, and uh, just help them perform better uh, as uh, a lot of stressful things were happening around them and, and their work was able to continue at a high level. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits. It's got 600,000 five-star reviews and more than 60 million downloads. So feel happier. Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash martini. That's headspace.com slash martini for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. It's the best deal they've got going right now. Head to headspace.com slash martini today. 
And I'm serious. Some of some of you uh, who are not happy with the CDC today really uh, could use some help in this department, as we've uh, mentioned on a couple of occasions. But a double-fisted bad martini here uh, today, Jim, could just be uh, a moment of celebration with this uh, CDC news. Not that we think that the government uh, has to give us permission to live our lives. A lot of people were doing that a long time ago, and they're doing okay. Um, Joe Biden uh, could just celebrate the fact that we've made this progress, but no, he's got to send out this tweet that says simply, the rule is now simple. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. The choice is yours. And his replies are fascinating. You got a lot of conservatives and libertarians out there saying, that's not your job. We don't have to do that. You can't dictate that to us. It's our lives. It's our choice. Uh, Let us make our own decisions. Uh, And then, of course, you've got uh, the liberal left who have been virtue signaling and trust the science on the masks. And now they're apoplectic about the fact that uh, people are allowed to go around without them. People who are fully vaccinated, by the way, saying, well, I don't know who hasn't been vaccinated. Uh, I don't trust these people. What about the variants? Uh, And one person literally said, I'm going to keep wearing it because I don't want people to think I'm a Republican. So, Jim, between the people who are now freaking out because the official science isn't on their side anymore, and uh, Joe Biden, who is validating the uh, big government fears that a lot of people had that this went from 15 days to slow the curve to, you will do this if you want to resume your life. Uh, Not good reactions on either front. Yeah, look, if it comes to, if you really want people to get vaccinated, I very much, instead of the Joe Biden you got to do it. It's your patriotic duty. You know, I very much prefer the um, Mike DeWine taking a page from Dr. Evil. If you get vaccinated, you can win $1 million. Um, and, you know, I think it was all upon it who observed the people who are reluctant to get vaccinated already aren't good at calculating odds. So, you know, hey, why not? This is a message that should appeal to them. Um, probably like a, I'm just seeing this as we are taping, Greg. Scott Wong, who is a reporter for uh, The Hill, um, is on Capitol Hill, and he says he just witnessed a verbal altercation in the House of Representatives. Nick Dyer, who is a spokesman for Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, not my favorite member of the House, had an interaction with one of my other least favorite members of the House, Congressman Eric Swalwell of California. Uh, you may remember him as the guy who ran for president about for about 10 minutes, gave some sort of big speech, and he just paused, waiting for applause. And it never happened. You could hear the cricket in the back of the room. But anyway, uh, apparently Dyer saw Swalwell still wearing his mask, and Biden and t- said to uh, Swalwell, Biden says you can take off your mask. Congressman Swalwell confronted Dyer. This is according to Scott Wong of The Hill. He says, got in his face and according to Dyer said, you don't tell me what to blanking do. Now, Scott Wong says he heard the altercation but was not close enough to hear Swalwell. Maybe he didn't say, you don't tell me what to blanking do, but you know, it certainly seems likely that uh, Swalwell took great exception to this. So here's the interesting. We figured out where Swalwell will be libertarian and anti-authority. When the CDC tells him it's okay to take off his mask, <laughs> then he's willing to say, oh, well, you're not the boss of me. Nobody tells me what I can do. If I want to keep this mask on forever, I can wear this mask forever. You know what, Congressman? If you want to wear the mask forever, fine. For a long time, it has been an attitude of, like, okay, if you do, look, if everything I've said in this podcast so far does not persuade you, you think Jim's a nut, you shouldn't bother listening, fine. You want to keep wearing your mask, keep wearing your mask. Just don't get in the faces of other people who are not wearing masks. 
And don't, you know, say, oh, you say you're vaccinated, but show me your card. Show me that card piece of cardboard that is completely not hard to easily duplicate or fake. <laughs> I need to see proof for something like that. Um, I do think the, and it's made, made it just one last, maybe a good closing thought here. Someone observed that people who were reluctant to get vaccinated, um, when they see the stuff like Biden and, and uh, Kamala Harris still wearing their masks everywhere, even when talking with other vaccinated people. Um, by the way, somebody made the observation, I, I checked with someone. If you're in the White House, you're either vaccinated or you've been tested for COVID that day. That's the case. There's nobody walking around the White House who is positive for COVID and doesn't know. That's, that's been in place since Trump, the, and particularly with Biden in office. So when, I, when Biden's in the Oval Office, there's no chance that he's interacting with someone who is untested, unvaccinated, and has not, uh, and is secretly walking around shedding viruses or something like that. But even if he did, Joe Biden is vaccinated. His immune system is about as good as it's going to get. Now, if you want to say, oh, he and McConnell and Pelosi are kind of elderly. Okay. All right. But anyway, now that you've said to people, hey, if you get vaccinated, you don't have to wear your mask. Now they've got an incentive. Are there some people who might say that they're vaccinated and they're not fine? But you know what? The vaccines are free. They're everywhere. They're easy to get at the CVS and the Walgreens and everything. They're now expanding it to teenagers. You know, we can't make this any easier. If it was any more common, Greg, it would be a Starbucks. All right. Uh, let's talk about another great sponsor now while you're uh, enjoying the fact that you don't have a, a mask on your face anymore. Uh, you can certainly enjoy the comfort, far more comfortable than masks, of my pillow towels. And right now they've got a fantastic deal going. You don't want to miss this. The six-piece towel sets, which are regularly $109.99, now on sale for $44.98. But you've got to use the promo code martini at MyPillow.com. My pillow towel sets are made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent and soft without that lotion feel. They are made from cotton grown right here in the United States. They're available in a variety of colors, and they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee, plus a one-year limited warranty. Each set includes two bath sheets, two hand towels, and one two-pack washcloth. As I've said, love these towels. They're super, super absorbent. I use them every single day. I uh, can't speak highly enough about them. And now you can get a fantastic deal on them. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square. Enter the promo code MARTINI or call 800-874-0104. And while you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets, uh, MyPillow Premium Pillows, and the new My Slippers. Get your MyPillow six-piece towel set for only $44.98, but only with our promo code MARTINI. Call 800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today. All right, Jim, uh, leaving masks behind us, let's move to our officially crazy martini, but it's certainly got a strong dose of bad here as well. The good news is that the Colonial Pipeline is uh, operational again. It's going to be uh, several days until things are kind of back to normal, but hopefully things are getting better day by day for, uh, what is it, 17 states uh, in the southeast uh, along the eastern seaboard and so forth. Um the bad news is, is that Colonial paid the ransom demand. Uh, $5 million in Bitcoin, I believe, was the ransom demand. We kind of got a heads up on that when Joe Biden was specifically asked if Colonial paid the ransom. And he said uh, he had no comment on that. And soon we found out that they had, in fact, paid the ransom. 
And uh, Jim, I wasn't expecting to make a second 24 reference this week, but I'm going to make it because it's relevant. Uh, if there's anything we learned from that show or real life, negotiating and giving in to terrorists never is a good idea. It may give you a little bit of relief in the immediate moment, but it's only going to encourage more of this, which means uh, our infrastructure potentially uh, is vulnerable uh, increasingly because bad actors are going to see this as an opportunity to make a ton of money. Uh, and my guess is the price tag next time might be considerably higher unless you've got some uh, IT experts who can uh, fix your system without paying the ransom, which appears to not be the case here. So uh, you talk about this in the morning jolt today. Uh, the lessons from this are pretty scary. First of all, Greg, I got to say, I'm kind of disappointed in you. I'm going to attribute this to you going on vacation soon. <laughs> you cite 24 and not live free or die hard, uh, which, by the way, I watched last night as research. You could say no. Um, what, I, what I do note in the morning jolt is that uh, actually before one, one last thought on 24, in addition to being a great show, it does include a lot of life lessons. I think you know, a lot of these calculations of what do you do when you have two bad choices what looks good in the short term can be a bad term. For example, if you want a guy to talk, you don't shoot him in the knee. You shoot his wife in the knee and that makes him talk. <laughs> anyway, uh, a little bit more seriously though, live for your die hard, which is, you know, probably we, we could, you and I would probably put that in the, the bottom tier of the uh, die hard movies. But interestingly, every die hard movie was like inspired by like a script that was written for some separate idea. And somebody says, oh, you know what? Let's take this idea and turn it into a John McClane movie. Uh, and the first one, you know, Die Hard, originally based on this novel, which was originally a sequel to another movie they'd made with Frank Sinatra as the lead detective. So um, the Die Hard, Live Free or Die Hard, the one that's all about cyber terrorism, is actually based on a, a news article that was in Wired magazine way back in 1997. And it was basically about the vulnerability of U.S. infrastructure to hacking and to cyber terrorism and things like that. And if you go back and read that article, it is one very prophetic and, and I think very accurate, you know, eerily accurate about some of the challenges we face today. And I, I'm kind of struck by, I, I was going to say, oh, this, this story, you know, the, the colonial pipeline, as soon as they got the oil flowing again, this story disappeared. It's not quite the case. But I don't know about you, Greg, considering how some people think we don't cover certain topics enough. I know Lee Stefanik is the new House conference chair. It's pretty clear. I know Chip Roy decided he was going to run at the last minute. Got about 40 some votes. That's great. Uh, look, in normal circumstances, you barely hear anything about the Republican House conference chair. This, this whole thing, again, we saw the return of gas lines up and down the East Coast for the, you know, for the first time since like the late 1970s. Like this was a big deal. Even people who study cyber terrorism and are kind of used to this, like, whoa, 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 this got bigger, right? ISIS never pulled off something like this. Al-Qaeda never pulled off something like this. And while, you know, it's very fair to wonder if this hacker group, Darkseid, is really as independent and unaffiliated with the Russian government as it says it is, or whether there's sort of a wink and a nod relationship between the Russian government and Russian uh, criminal groups operating on their own soil. Um, this is, you know, this is one of those things where, like, if this, this is a, you know, a, this is a level of attack, if it came from a state, we would be thinking, of as a, an act of war. Yeah, I had a chance to go to this conference years and years ago, but obviously you can tell it still stuck with me and influenced my thinking that if some enemy group fires a missile at a U.S. military base and, and kills people or damages things, well, then we know that's an act of war, right? We know to, you know, oh, there, here comes the missile. It fires. If the computer system on a U.S. military base suddenly stops working, 
it's much less clear that that is an act of war. And you know, one, you got to figure out why did this happen? And then the next thing is, well, if it happened because of some outside, you know, uh, hacker or malicious group putting in some sort of malicious code or something like that, is that an act of war? Do you respond with militarily? Do you only, do you keep your response in the realm of cyber? Uh, what happens when cyber has severe economic consequences like this? What happens if a cyber attack um, do you react differently if it involves uh, water treatment plants or air traffic control uh, or traffic lights, uh, you know, all kinds of things that um, the stock markets, right? How do you make sure that what you're, you know, how do you respond proportionally? And what do you do when there is no big obvious target? There is no enemy air base to bomb. There is no, uh, not even necessarily an enemy hideout or training camp like we had with uh, Al Qaeda and things like this. So it is a big, complicated, kind of frightening and thorny problem. My sneaking suspicion is that most people in government don't get it. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't feel like I understand this terribly well. And I'm, you know, Mr. All Thumbs and, uh, you know, one of those guys who thought that the old disk drives were a cup holder and all the other, you know, jokes you can make about someone who doesn't understand computers very well. But here's the thing. I suspect I grasp this stuff better than, say, Joe Biden and any <laughs> other, you know, octogenarian or septuagenarian members of the... Uh, uh, members of Congress. And so you have this sneaking feeling that, you know, the other guys are driving a Maserati and the U.S. federal government's response is a uh, used Toyota, you know, that was, you know, it's got a sputtering engine. The federal government does not adapt to change quickly and easily and it can't turn on a dime. And of course, hackers are, you know, if, if, a, if a technique stops working, they just toss it out and try something new. I think we're going to be in this endless cycle of our, us, you know, our institutions trying to improve their firewalls. And the hacker is constantly trying new tricks to figure out how to break through them and get access to important stuff and do that. What I think is really kind of, you know, the, the aspect that most surprised me when I started putting together today's morning jolt is that it wasn't, you know, everybody heard about the, the pipeline. Oh, God, it's really bad, right? You know, you, if you live on the East Coast and the Southeast, you probably felt the impact. Either, you, either your local area, you know, either gas prices went up or you just couldn't find any gas in your area. Um, over by me, I've been, luckily I didn't really need any. I'd filled up before all this, but like the, there was none at the tanks at my nearest uh, gas station. And then the truck came to deliver some in like mid to late afternoon. And like the lines just appeared instantly, you know, it was like run around the block. Um, but the interesting thing is, so we heard about this, what you probably didn't hear about, unless you read my morning newsletter, is that Ireland's health service shut down its computer systems after being hit with a ransomware attack. This same group, Darkside, hit the Toshiba Corporation and got a ton of information from them. The Washington, D.C. police just suffered the biggest hack of a police force ever, exposing hundreds of police officer disciplinary files and intelligence reports, uh, including information from the FBI and Secret Service. And the city government of Gary, Indiana, had to restore and rebuild all of their servers after they were hacked. Greg, this is all in the, less than 40, the past 48 hours. There you go. There is an enormous explosion in ransomware attacks going on right now. It's up 62% in just the last two years. And I can't, everyone always says, well, if you don't, you know, if you pay them, it's always the easiest solution. You, you, you get your systems back, but then you've created an incentive for more of it. Well, how much is, how much of what we're seeing right now is a consequence of past results? And there's one last detail to send you off onto vacation or listeners into the weekend with a slight chill down their spines. So the Biden administration has been very oddly quiet about this issue of paying the ransom. They didn't, you know, they have not said, we told them to do this. Biden would not say whether he'd been briefed on the decision. Um, I think it's safe to say that the Biden administration is not really criticizing Colonial Pipeline for paying the ransom. 
Uh, if they wanted to say, no, you shouldn't do this, this is only going to encourage more and copycats, they, they could say that. They have not said that. I kind of wonder if there's just a tacit acceptance of this in the Biden administration. Except, as we see, if you keep paying the Dane Geld, the Dane Geld keeps coming back and asking for more. Um, if you keep, unless we, and the other thing I kind of just want to note is that, you know, we, you know, uh, Abu Bakr uh, al-Baghdadi, right? You know, Navy SEALs got him. Bin Laden, Navy SEALs got him. Zarqawi, we dropped bombs on his, on his house, right? I mean, like we, in certain kinds of terrorism, if you come after Americans, we will come after you with everything we got. We're going to leave you a, 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 you know, in the case of Kasim Soleimani, a red stain on the side of the highway, right? I guess if you're a cyber terrorist, if you're a hacker, I have not seen that kind of response. And I had, like I was saying, discussing earlier, that sense of wondering, is lethal force proportional to a person who's just sitting behind a keyboard? It's a big, serious conversation I think we need to have, and we rarely seem to have it. Greg, every now and then I get the feeling the people who are responsible for this would rather the public just didn't pay too much attention to this. The problem is once there's gas lines, there's no way to ignore this. But yeah, we're hoping not to get stranded on the side of the road uh, over the next couple of days here. Uh, Jim, it kind of reminds me, I'm actually kind of surprised that uh, the Darksiders apparently uh, did what they said they would do in uh, restoring operations. And, you know, it kind of reminds me, though, what if they didn't? You know, it's almost like that situation at the beginning of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles where Steve Martin is right racing down the streets of New York trying to get a cab, and uh, he offers the guy some money uh, to who is ahead of him to take the cab, and the guy drives him higher and higher, and he's like, okay, okay I'll give you whatever it was, $50, and he's like, okay, $50. Well, anybody willing to pay 50 will certainly pay 75 and so I can just see this happening in obviously much more serious circumstances. Uh, you know, the, the fact that uh, the Darksiders actually, you know, came through with their side of the the bargain uh, is is kind of surprising to me. I'm surprised they didn't try to push harder. And I'm guessing if, if this keeps happening and people keep paying the ransoms, we're going to see more of that. The only reasoning I can think going on here, Greg, is that idea of like, maybe as a hacking group, you want to be known as very easy to work with. <laughs> At you Dark Side, to- we understand the value of a trusted relationship. You know? <laughs> You because if you don't reopen the systems, well, why will anyone pay anymore, right? You know, you need, ironically, when you're in the business of international criminal conspiracies to disrupt life and commit terrorism, you need a trustworthy, reliable reputation. <laughs> the last thing you want as a terrorist organization with ransomware is to have a bad Yelp rating. I mean, <laughs> ser- seriously. <laughs> Paid money, did not get systems back, would not recommend. <laughs> Jim, on that note, we're done for the week. Uh, Chad Benson will be in for me next week. Thanks to him already for doing that. Have a great time, and I'll see you back here on the 24th. Enjoy your vacation, Greg. I will see you in a, in a, in a little stretch away. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, please do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Tell your friends about us as well. Uh, we are very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Those are incredibly helpful to us. Also, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great weekend. And please join Jim and Chad on Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch. The border crisis is getting worse, and so is big tech censorship. Hi, this is Sarah Carter. On The Sarah Carter Show, I explain the problems that are happening at our southern border that are a direct result of Biden administration policies, and I'm staying on top of the left and big tech 
trying to stifle the freedom of speech for conservatives and anyone who dares to challenge their narrative. Join me as we take on these massive challenges that impact all of us. Subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.